We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Friday, October 13th, 2017. DJ Trainer here, joined by Shannon McEwen. No K, no Ken K Train Kreitz this week, so no train whistle, unfortunately. He's away on vacation, I believe, down in Tennessee. Yeah, the lack of train whistle is everyone's cue to keep listening. <laughs> Uh, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues you know that we'd love to have it. Quick overview of the pod today. As we always do on this Friday podcast, we'll go over some of the top news of the last couple of days. Broad topic for today with Shannon and I is draft strategy. We've both been involved with some drafts recently. I know I've got, we both have one today and a few over the weekend. So we're going to get into draft strategy as I'm sure all our listeners are also preparing for their drafts coming up this weekend before the regular season starts. It's almost here. Then we normally go into Friday FanDuel picks this time around. I think we'll probably hold off and wait until the regular season. But of course, you can log on to FanDuel right now. A big slate actually on this Friday. Um, last day of the preseason should be pretty wild with lots and lots of reserve players jumping in. Any word of caution, Shannon, if you if you do decide to play the preseason NBA FanDuel slate on this Friday? It's tough to say until until the news comes out and lineups are close to locking. You never really know who to start. You know, some big guns might be active. Chris Paul's out, so if he's out and James Harden actually plays, I'm rolling with James Harden. Um, some of the discount options that may be good: Jerry and Grant, Justice Winslow, Ben Ingram. It just depends. You have to really track it and see which big guys are going to play and and maybe play heavy minutes yeah so speaking of breaking news of course you can go to rotowire.com and get a free 10 days access to the website and see all that breaking news as soon as it's released we let you know and we also say you know who might be playing in their place who might be a good option let's get into some of that bigger news shannon 
First of all, Kawhi Leonard's status for Wednesday's regular season opener remains uncertain as the crown jewel of my Keeper League roster currently. I am a little cautious, uh, not only for you know his status heading into the start of the season, but the fact that he's dealing with any injuries at all. We know the Spurs are going to be as cautious as possible, and I'm really hoping, as somebody who's invested in Kawhi Leonard, that this isn't going to be a let's just play him you know two thirds of the season and get him right for the postseason. Yeah, it's tough to say with Kawhi, and it's really. The injury has really impacted his draft status. I mean, I've seen him drop to the 12th pick in the first round for my NFBKC draft. Um, And then I'm in an expert slow draft right now where he dropped to 10. Uh, It's pretty safe to say if he wasn't dealing with this lingering quad injury, he would be going higher than that. I I would think he would be a consensus top eight guy. I have seven guys that I love. And he would be number eight if he were healthy. But there's just question marks. It could end up being not that serious. And the Spurs are just being super cautious. We really don't know right now. Yeah, a large part of it is that there's an injury within the Spurs organization. And they keep everything so close to the vest that it's it's hard to tell if this is just a day-by-day thing or if this is a week-by-week thing. And, of course, they have no incentive to let any of us know. Um, only they do. And, and that's just part of dealing with an injury that occurs to a member of this the Spurs roster. Now, let's just say um, I we would all, as basketball fans, hate if this happens. Let's just say he misses the first two to three weeks of the season. That just ends up what ha- what happens. Rudy Gay is directly behind him on the depth chart, but then you also have Kyle Anderson, who's actually been at the system the last couple years, has seen um, a few starts over the last couple seasons, and has seen you know upwards of twenty five minutes when when the roster broke the right way. Would you feel more comfortable um, taking a flyer on Rudy Gay or Kyle Anderson to start the season if we're not going to see Kawhi? Rudy Gay would be my target. I I, I think. I'm not really targeting Rudy Gay even at the end end of drafts right now, but if Leonard ends up being ruled out for the first couple of weeks of the season, Rudy Gay is the guy to target. Okay, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, before Gay suffered this injury, uh, I guess it, it's been a couple of seasons now, but he was on fire, and, and he's somebody who can you know light it up across the board. I do wonder, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, will Popovich like a lineup with Rudy Gay at power forward instead of Lamarcus Aldridge at power forward? Could Gay and Aldridge be their you know crunch time front court? Um, that's certainly possible to me once Gay gets ingrained into the Spurs way of basketball basketball uh, a lot of talent there and, and you know for a long time uh, Rudy Gay was somebody that was being drafted relatively highly um, above average for sure in fantasy drafts and so it's a kind of wait and see approach um, with this injury but you know he's somebody that I always targeted you know over the last five years when he was healthy yeah I think the Spurs preference is probably to bring Gale along slowly since he's coming off injury himself and limit him to a bench role and limited minutes. Um, it'll be interesting once they're at full strength to see how they deploy everyone. They could get super interesting and even throw Kawhi at like shooting guard and, and have Gay, Kawhi, Aldridge, and Paul Gasol all out there at the same time. All right, so I've got two news, two more news news items that I'm going to read off. And from a level of how scared are you if you already are invested in this rookie, uh, one to ten. Tell me how scared you are by this bit of news. For Dennis Smith suffered a sprained left ankle during Thursday's preseason game against the Hawks. Level from one to ten, and then I'll read off the next one. It's only a three right now because okay. we don't know the severity of Dennis Smith's injury. You know, obviously, it, it could be something that's very minor. Um, and he he sprained his ankle early in that game. I think I believe it was the second quarter last night. Um, and they took him out and he didn't return. It could be something where they're being cautious or it could be something more serious. And, and, you know, if it's a severe ankle sprain, it could linger for a while, but odds are based on what we know so far, I would say worst case scenario is a couple weeks. Best case scenario he's ready by the opener. All right. So level three there. The other rookie, another rookie here out in Philadelphia, Markel Foltz, who's dealing with just general knee soreness, did some limited work at Thursday's practice and is considered questionable for Friday's preseason finale against the Heat. If you are invested in Foltz for the rest of this season, what's your panic meter 1 to 10 given this news? My panic meter on the knee is actually only a 1. 
uh, because he wouldn't be questionable for Friday's preseason game. He would be doubtful if it was were a serious knee injury. My panic meter on Fultz is for his free throw shooting. <laughs> I, his, his shot, anyone who hasn't seen it yet, is just atrocious. Um, he reworked it since, since college last year, and it doesn't make any sense. It's one of the worst free throw. I see better form in city rec leagues with horrible basketball players. And that's been the big talk around the office this last week is a lot of guys like Alex Berutha, Nick Whalen, you know, really excited to see Markel Folds and even dare I say hi on him heading into this year, started to watch that videos of the rework shots and immediately have like kind of taken him off the guys that they're really excited about heading into this season. So um, it, it's weird for such a highly touted prospect to have an off season leading into the NBA where he actually gets downgraded, you know, I, I would even dare say significantly um, because of just one thing. And this shot is, is really turning a lot of people off to him. Now, coming back to these injuries for me, the Dennis Smith sprained left ankle is, is like a, is a three for me as well. Like it's not that big of a deal. May he miss part of the beginning of the regular season? Yes. For Fultz, just the fact that he's dealing with any type of injury and the fact that he plays for the Sixers, you know, that puts me at a six or seven in that we're going to see a lot of these updates throughout the season. And just like they've treated Joel Embiid over the last, uh, over the course of the last two years, I just think that if Fultz just has even a paper cut, the, the Sixers are going to be incredibly cautious. So that exercise there for me was just just that because these two rookies play at a certain organization, um, my panic meter is a little bit different because I think the Mavs, once Smith is healthy, he's going to go out there and play through some injuries. And I don't think Fultz or any other rookie or second or third year player on the 76ers will ever play through an injury um, in, until like a couple of years down the road. The, the only difference with the Sixers now is they they are projected to be a playoff team this year so I mean go go based on Vegas over under they're going to make a playoff run this year with that being the case they're not going to be as cautious as they were in the past it's just not going to happen now you've got you've got serious money invested into Joel Embiid and they have they have great injury outs for them within that that money that they have invested in him they're not going to be as cautious anymore previous seasons they weren't playing for anything they actually are now all right i'll believe it when i see it but uh, you know in terms of organizational structure where they're at you know i still have more confidence in dennis smith playing through playing through some of these injuries but hey i will be pleasantly surprised and happy if if the sixers change their strategy when it comes to you know minor knee soreness and in minorly sprained ankles moving on though zach levine who's been dealing obviously with a long knee injury has been cleared for unpredictable movements i have those every morning <laughs> no yours are predictable that's the thing know. they're very predictable uh you know we're obviously going to update the status of levine moving forward as he progresses through this long recovery road um it definitely seems like he could come back maybe even a little bit sooner than before this news was announced currently on rotowire we have a pr projected return date of november 24th now that's somewhat arbitrary um but you know if he goes out there when he returns, he's going to be the focal point of the offense and the focal point of the team to the point where he could easily, if he returns be, at some point in November, be a top 75 fantasy guy by the end of the season, even though he misses you know, a month, month and a half of the season because he's going to have such a large role when he does, in fact, return. Do you agree with top 75 when it's all said and done? Absolutely. And I'm actually, given, given the news and the possibility that he's going to return in late November, I'm surprised at how far he's fallen in drafts. I mean, his, his, rank, his O rank on Yahoo is like in the 190 range. Um, he just went in an expert slow draft that I'm doing at pick number 137. I think 130, 120, 130 range is probably about right. Because um, the project, even our projections on him are a fraction of what they were last year. He scored 19 points per game last year. I mean, he was 19, three and three with one steal and, and 2.6 three pointers. He was a very good fantasy player through 47 games before getting hurt. I, I just think like elite percentages as well for a guard. I love the kid. And now that he's going to be the focal point of an offense, his upside is to blow past those numbers. 
that he had last year. Shooting percentage, field goal percentage might take a dip, but he could easily, as long as his knee holds up and it's at full strength, he's coming back at 100%. He could easily surpass last year's numbers. So just to put that 137 in context, because I'm looking at your draft here, Shannon, players that went directly ahead of him were De'Aaron Fox, Mason Plumlee, uh, Rajon Rondo, players that went directly after Levine in this particular draft, Scal LeBissier, Markeith Morris, and Donovan Mitchell. I definitely think Levine could be drafted higher than all those guys. Rondo, it's tough because assists are so hard to find. But again, he's dealing with that injury. Markeith Morris is a guy for me that's, you know, yeah. Another injury right there. Another injury right there as well. Um, So basically, the question, Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox is, Levine is being drafted around these high upside guys, but guys that will presumably, you know, play in the first game of the season and be healthy for the rest of the season. And for me, that makes sense because there's a lot of upside with Levine as well, but you don't know quite what you're getting into. So the fact that he's being drafted right alongside those second tier of rookies makes sense for me. Um, but if, if we both agree that he could be a top 75 fantasy player when it's all said and done, you need to get over the mental block that you're not going to be able to start him for the first month of the season and realize that in the long run you know he's going to be a top 75 guy so you need to draft him a little higher than what he's been going I mean I would actually argue he can be higher than top 75 I think that's a a very cautious projection I I would put him any I mean you're looking at possibly top 50 Um, I'm trying to pull up his his season average from last year to see where that ranked on Yahoo. Um, but he was, yeah, he was 93 based on season average last year on Yahoo. I think he can do better. Yeah. Cause pretty he much was, across the board. He was playing with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns on the same team, you know, as you know, ball dominant players and even Ricky Rubio, right. Yeah. Who, who Who's holding the ball quite a bit. And he moves into a system where, uh, you know, there's just nobody else. Who's he, who's he going to give the ball to? Zipster, Robin Lopez, Justin Holiday. Uh, there's just not a lot to go around. So, presuming he even gets back to ninety percent of how healthy he was before the injury at some point this year, top seventy five is well within reach and and maybe even higher. I think we're on the same page about that. So draft him higher. If you're looking for draft strategy, draft Zach Levine a little bit higher than what he's been going for. Chandler Parsons will not play during Friday's preseason finale against the Pelicans for personal reasons. Now, I'm not really too interested in that exact note. I'm more interested in your stance on Chandler Parsons. Is he worthy of a last round or second to last round flyer in a standard you know, 12-14 team league for you? Yes, he is of that. You know, I'm not very high on him. He didn't look good last year in the 20 minutes per game. He was getting through 34 appearances. He wasn't good. Six, six points, two and a half rebounds, uh, shot horribly, only 34%. Presumably he'll be healthier this year. Um, he's 28. He's not 32. So that's the age is on his side. Um, but I, he's, he's one of those guys I really would prefer to see it before I draft him. But if you're talking about last round or two and you're taking a flyer on someone who has upside, we've seen the production before. Yeah, it's certainly there for him. Yeah, what's interesting, I think we've kind of romanticized Chandler Parsons and not just for, you know, male model reasons. But like if you go back and look at his stats, in in his best season, which was arguably 2013-14, which he split between Houston and Dallas, he was averaging just over 16 points, over five rebounds, four assists, with the full steal and 1.83 pointers. Now, granted, that is awesome. For, for fantasy, that's really, really good. But I still feel like we have this lingering thing in our mind where he was like worthy of a, a second or even third round pick when he was at his peak. And and he and he was barely that. And so a guy that has no legs left in him whatsoever, you know, I, I I'm just trying to wonder that even if he comes back and he's healthy and he's right, um, people might be expecting too much from him. A healthy Chandler Parsons coming into this year, you know, the absolute best he could possibly do is 16 points per game and five rebounds. Yeah, but with two threes and a steal. Two threes and so a steal. Is the big it just thing, depends you know. on was last year because he it can't be stated enough he was horrible last season. Um, so was last year is that what he's going to be the rest of his career because of all these injuries? 
I mean, injuries were an issue before last season. You know, he only played 66 and 61 games the year, two years prior. So, he, yes, he has upside to be 17-6 with three and a half assists, two, two, two uh, deep balls, and, and a steal per game. But we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that given his current situation health-wise. So I, I just need to see it. It's worth the flyer and, and for last round or two, but but I'm probably going for younger upside there. There you go. Last bit of news here. Nothing overly major in terms of standard fantasy relevancy, but Glenn Robinson of the Indiana Pacers will undergo surgery on his left ankle and is expected to be sidelined until mid-December for a former dunk contest winter winner. Um, you know, maybe he won't be able to repeat with that bum ankle, unfortunately for him. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy. That's right, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Now, Shannon, I have a buddy that lives in Chicago. He's got, um, you know, he lives pretty close to the United Center. Text me yesterday, says, we got to go to the Thunderbulls game. He confirmed it this morning. I confirmed it. So after this pod, I'm actually going to use my SeatGeek app, check out the prices for that game. And I'll definitely, definitely, thanks to SeatGeek, be attending Bulls versus Thunder in late October here. Nice. That's going to be a close one. (laughs) Should be a blowout, hopefully. Um, But best of all, our new users to SeatGeek get a $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONBA today. So R-O-T-O-N-B-A is the promo code. One more time, R-O-T-O-M-B-A, Roto-M-B-A, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone, and later today, right from my phone. Let's move into the heart of the podcast here, Shannon. We're right smack dab in the middle of NBA fantasy draft season. So let's talk general draft strategy before we do that, I just want to ask you a broad question to kind of get our feet wet. Um, have any of your opinions changed on significant players or you know any players from the start of the preseason, so basically two or three weeks ago, until today? The one change that I've really... <sighs> Jamal Murray. I was so, so high on Jamal Murray. And now I'm just, I'm confused about the Emmanuel Moutier. I used to be really high on Moutier, but it has nothing to do with that. Uh, That was, you know, that was a year and a half ago. I'm not as high on him anymore. I love Jamal Murray. But the fact that they're still in a position battle and that if you look at the preseason game logs, Moutier's played better than Jamal Murray so far. So I'm just I'm just worried about what's going to happen there. I think Murray's still got tons of upside. He's still the one to draft. But I, w- I was looking at picking him in the fifth or sixth round and really stretching, um, reaching for him, and I just I won't do it anymore. He has to drop significantly for me to for me to take him. I think clearly Jamal Murray is their better option as a franchise moving forward, and I would want to cut through all of this kind of stuff and just assume. That Coach Mike Malone is saying every position is up for grabs. Play to the end of the preseason, and then we'll f- we'll figure it all out. Like it, it seems very clear to me that Jamal Murray should be the starter for the majority of the season ahead. And, and if anything, I think it's just the coaches making sure they're getting everything out of their players because you know what, this position battle really has. Um, enabled Emmanuel Moutier to you know play better than you would have expected so if nothing else you've got this guy with confidence that's going to end up coming off your bench um, that the whole reason why he was able to you know just become a better player is because he thought that he was fighting for a starting role Uh, and it should be noted that the Nuggets tried to trade Moutier during the offseason last year so this could be all a ploy by them just to get him out there get his value up some and, and generate some interest via the trade market. You're right. I still think Murray's the guy, but just because there is a question mark right now about who's going to start, I'm not willing to reach on him like I was when we had a conversation three weeks ago. 
Yeah, for me, what I've learned so far is that there's so many rookies in this class, and you know, you know my stance on rookies. I generally just don't draft rookies, but this year is a little bit different. There's just so many out there that I'm going to end up with some of them. I don't think you can definitively say, you know, after your after Lonzo Ball and Dennis Smith, that De'Aaron Fox is going to have a better season than, you know, pick your next one, Donovan Mitchell. Like, I, I, it's just too hard with rookies. Things have to break a certain way. Um, but I will say that some of those guys are dropping so far for me that even as somebody who doesn't take rookies, that I will just let whatever rookies kind of end up coming my way and take them. Just, just yep. because of my stance, where it, it, it depends on how the situation breaks. And some of them are dropping so far. I watched a Donovan Mitchell game a couple a couple days ago. He just went off. He looks good. He looks so good. He looks so good. And you know what? People aren't quite as exposed to Donovan Mitchell as they have been for somebody like De'Aaron Fox or Dennis Smith. And so I will say that for me, I have learned that I will happily let somebody like a Donovan Mitchell or a John Collins, who probably will end up being the starter at power forward for the Hawks at some point this season over Ursan Ilyasova, you know, if, if they're going to drop that low, then I'm going to take them. Um, so, so for me, I didn't realize that the, all of these rookies, you know, you can only draft so many and, and people People do feel a little bit weird. You know, most people, um, you know, don't want to have eight rookies on their team if it's not a keeper league. Um, And so that has resulted in some of those guys dropping so far where the upside does make sense for me as somebody who does not generally draft any rookies. Well, this is a good transition into some of our draft strategy that we'll be discussing as well, because... All right, so for the slow expert league draft that we're tracking right now, De'Aaron Fox went 134 and, and then Donovan Mitchell went 140. Malik Monk went 145. So you've got kind of those second or third tier rookies all going in that range. The The only rookies you're going to have to draft in the top 100 or top 80 um, are Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith, Fultz, and Ben Simmons. Mm. I think that's it. Um, People are drafting Tatum too high. Tatum hasn't been drafted in this league yet. And I, oh, the he, last, hasn't been, he hasn't been drafted. Wow. The last couple drafts I've done, which were NFBKC, which is the toughest draft um, anyone can do it. If you want a challenge, do an NFBK P, BKC draft. Um, they're they're great leagues, and all the owners. It's you know it's three fifty. I think is the minimum buy in um, for the online RotoWire Championship. So, dude, everyone's heavily invested, right? And, and they make very conscious decisions. They're not just like at a whim making some random choice. Uh, man, I I agree with you. Like rookies. It's weird. I, in our keeper league, I went. I ended up going heavy rookie and kind of decided to tank for this year, um, and it took the long term approach. In head to head leagues, I'm actually way more comfortable taking rookies than I am in rotisserie leagues, uh, because the main question mark with a lot of the rookies for me are their percentages. And like we mentioned, Fultz. His free throw percentage could be atrocious. Lonzo Ball, and the reason why I ripped Lonzo Ball a week or two ago is because I'm really worried about his field goal percentage. Mm. So in my head-to-head league, I took Lonzo Ball. But in my rotisserie NFBKC league, where I'm very mindful of the percentages and I'm trying to win an overall championship with 300 teams involved, I totally avoided Lonzo. Yeah, so the most important thing that we can even say on this podcast that's about draft strategy is that you need to be aware of what type of league you're in, where rotisserie <laughs> league is going to have a different strategy than head-to-head. In head-to-head, you can afford to draft somebody like an Andre Drummond or a DeAndre Jordan and kind of tank or punt, you know, pick whatever verb you want or, or word you want to um, you know, let go of one category. In rotisserie, you can't really do that because you're looking at the cumulative score across all categories, and it's going to be hard to win in any league, rotisserie league, it just is with Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan on your team, even though they're helping you out so much in the rebound and and somewhat in the block category as well. Now, specifically within head-to-head, I put on a lot of leagues for our interns here in the office and our newer part-time employees that just you know, haven't been around fantasy as long as you, you and I have, if you and I wanted to, we could join like 15 leagues, but some of these kids, they, they're just not exposed to it. And my goal when creating these leagues is to have their interest level as high as possible throughout the whole year. So I do a head to head league where, you know, 50 to 75% of the teams actually make the playoffs 
right? So you're pretty much, as long as you pay attention throughout the year, you're going to make the playoffs. And in a league like that, where the majority of teams in a head-to-head format are going to make the playoffs, I think it makes a lot of sense to go heavy on rookies because when the head-to-head playoffs roll around in the final couple months of the season, the teams that are bad are going to be playing their rookies or good teams with rookies will have, you know, they've risen to the top and they're seeing lots of minutes. So you really, really, really just need to be aware of your type of league and understand when to peak in a, in a head-to-head league. Um, you know, you, you need to be peaking during playoff time. Rotisserie, right from game one, you need to have the best, you know, lineup out there. Yeah, another strategy specific to the rookies is eight category leagues is another scenario where no turnovers. If the league doesn't have turnovers, I like rookies more. Lonzo, Especially point guard rookies. Yeah, exactly. Because Lonzo Ball is going to have a ton of turnovers this year. So his field goal percentage is going to be bad, and he's going to have tons of turnovers. That means if it's a nine-category rotisserie, I'm not touching him. If it's if it's a eight-category head-to-head, I bump him up considerably because he could be 12 points, seven rebounds, seven assists with, with a you know, a steal and a half and a three and a half a game. Um, he's going to have good value. I value him over guys like Jeff Teague in an eight category head to head league. Yeah, most definitely. And, and generally, you know, when you're looking at the top end talent, a guy like Steph Curry might actually rise above Harden or Westbrook in a turnover league uh, because Curry's just not handling the ball and not having as many oh, turnovers oh, as definitely. Harden or Westbrook would. Definitely. I, I have Curry and Durant would be my top two picks in a yep. nine-category rotisserie league. Um, they're not going to be in head-to-head. In head-to-head, I'm going to pick Giannis or I'm going to pick James Harden. Uh, but in, in nine-category rotisserie, Curry and Durant, because their efficiency, their lack of turnovers, production across the board, great percentages – I, I think it's a shoe in that they're the top two ranked players for that format. Let's talk about handcuffs here. Now, this is something that's generally talked, you know, pretty straightforward in NFL drafts. So, for instance, the the best example of this right now, if, if you're playing NFL drafts, is if you drafted Ezekiel Elliott, then maybe you wanted to go out there and get Alfred Morris or Darren McFadden as a handcuff just in case, you know, that suspension did go through. Now, for the NBA, um, two-part two, two part question for you. One, do you think handcuffs exist as much as they would in the NFL? And two, how do you handle that situation? And to use a specific situation, let's say Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, and Nicholas Batum out in Charlotte. It's tough. I don't think it... It certainly doesn't come into play in the same way it does in fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why is there's only so many starting running backs in the NFL. You know, you have, whatever, 30 teams. So you have 30 starting running backs... And you have a fantasy league that is going to roster 40 running backs. You're going to have, like, it makes sense to have a handcuff in that scenario. In fantasy basketball, it's not the same. You have, there's going to be guys who aren't backups, who don't need an injury or a player to be benched to open up playing time. There are going to be guys who already have the playing time, already have the production that you should target instead. So Jason Tatum. Let's call him a handcuff to Gordon Hayward and a couple of the other, you know, let's call him a handcuff to Gordon Hayward. Would I rather have Jason Tatum or Justice Winslow this year? Justice Winslow is pretty much a shoo-in to play over 30 minutes a game. Uh, People kind of forgot about him because he only played about 17 games last year. But if I'm drafting later, I would much rather have Justice Justice Winslow and his guaranteed 30-plus minutes a game over Tatum, who needs that time to open up for him. Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely is does not exist because the opportunity left behind by a player who's hurt or suspended does not directly go uh, to the person behind them on the depth chart in basketball. <clears throat> like it does for NFL, right? It, it's not a direct correlation like it is like you know Aaron Rodgers get hurt. It goes directly to Hunley and nobody else. But in basketball, it's spread out. Maybe coaches will use different lineups, you know, mix things around. So it's never a direct correlation. Um, You know, that being said, though, in general, if I draft Zach Levine, I will feel a little bit better if I also end up with Justin Holiday. So I know there's going to be no gaps in production. Right, right. No, and I I, I understand that. The the problem with, with that for me is just. If I do so, then I know come December 1st or whenever Levine's playing at full speed, 
holiday is pretty much expendable. Right. Maybe it's good. Maybe you want to have an expendable piece at that point of the season. Um, you can pick up someone off the waiver wire. Uh, that's certainly one strategy to take. I, the guys you mentioned specifically with uh, with Charlotte, I you know with Batum out, you've you've got Lamb who's going. He's already been named the starter. He's going to get minutes. Monks looked fantastic this preseason. He's going to be basically their sixth man, and I think he's going to get plenty of minutes as well. I think that would have been the scenario even if Batum were healthy. So those guys are all getting drafted anyways. Um, if you feel more comfortable having multiple players from the from the Hornets well, backcourt rotation in your lineup, okay. Um, but I, again, I'm not picking Monk just because I'm not picking Monk and Lamb just because I want to have them both on my team as a handcuff. I'm picking them because I like them better than the other options that are available. Yeah, and that's another reason why for NBA it's a little bit different. Is like I do not want Batum, Lamb, and Monk on any of my teams like I don't even really it has to be a very very deep league for me to feel comfortable using essentially you know two reserve spots on you know it just doesn't make sense to be that fully invested even though you're you know you're going to get playing time out of one of those three players. It just doesn't make sense to be that invested when you could you know go for somebody like in Evita Zubats out in LA, who's directly behind Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez gets hurt. Zubats is in there for a ton of minutes. Whereas, you know, oh, oh no, I've got Monk, Lamb, and Batum here just stashed away. And I should have maybe diversified my reserve options that could come into reserve minutes or to playing minutes, starter minutes, that is. Maybe Zubats. I know you're not high I, on Zubats, I, I know. but in I general, just, I want more guys right, that are directly right. behind the starter and not two guys behind one starter that I already own. Now, understandable. Now, some other general takeaways that I have from drafts based on the my two most recent. So the NFBKC, it it's a nine category rotisserie league. Um, one, like I said, they're great drafts. A lot, a lot of fun. Really challenging. Um, I noticed a lot of big men going very early. So big men and, and assist. You know, premium the premium tier of point guards. Um, but a couple big men specifically in both of these drafts, Carl Anthony Towns went two in my NFBKC draft and he went three in my expert league draft. Everyone loves cat this year. Everyone is targeting him. It's not just experts. You're going to have to pick, you're going to have to most likely pick him top five. If you are lucky enough that he drops out of the top five and you get him. Great. That's awesome. Um, same thing. The, the one, one good thing about him leapfrogging into the top five or top three in these two cases is you have guys like Kevin Durant or Steph Curry who are the ones that are falling out. So if you if you luck into Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or even James Harden or Russell Westbrook at, at six or seven, like gladly take them and move on. Um, you, you, there's no fault in that move at all. I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around why Carl Anthony Towns is going in that elite cat in that elite tier as number two and number three overall. Now, I understand why, because you just look at his stats from last year, on top of he shot fifty four percent and eighty three percent from the line. For a center eligible player to shoot eighty three percent, you're probably gonna win free throw categories if you have Carl Anthony Towns on your team. However, there's just too many good players on Minnesota. And, and I don't think that he could possibly have as good of stats as he did last year. I'm expecting them to come down. There's just no way. And us here at Rotowire, in general, do have him you know, staying right about that same level in all those categories or coming down a tick. Cause there's, just, there's just too many good players on Minnesota. I, I will agree that the usage, you would assume the usage would go down with the additions of Jeff Teague, and Jimmy Butler on that Minnesota roster. But I'm going to make the case for Carl Anthony Towns. He's still the number one option on the team, without a doubt. His percentages are so elite. His rebounds are elite. His scoring is elite. He also hits (laughs) three-pointers. So here are his stats, post-All-Star break stats, and this is why he's going top five in in a lot of drafts I'm seeing. It's because what he did at the back half of last season – Final 25 games of the season, he averaged 28.4, 13.4, with 59.7% shooting and 84.1 from the line. 
with 1.43 pointers. And then you've got upside of a steal and a block per game as well. Like it's ridiculous. There's you're talking about like peak Tim Duncan, peak Kevin Durant, all-time great level of production. I mean, he's he puts up he puts up production that's comparable to Embiid's per 36. So <laughs> I okay, that's I, why you draft him. I I understand it. I I I understand why that people are reaching up, you know, a few spots higher than maybe I I think they should. You know what I like most about Carl Anthony Towns is that he's played 82 games in each of his seasons in yes. the NBA. From a rotisserie standpoint, that is amazing and these are both rotisserie leagues right so yes so that's another point in his favor so i get it i guess it's just it seems counterintuitive to add uh an all-star that you know jacked up a ton of shots last year with the bulls put him on that team and your point guard also jeff teague is more of a shoot first point guard than your last point guard ricky rubio who is more of a distributor so really you've got two more guys in the mix for more shots and you know, I, I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm not, and I'm not foolish, and I'm not really going to take a hard stance here. But you know, to think that Carl Anthony Towns is being drafted over Kevin Durant, uh, you know, Westbrook, Harden, in these two drafts is, is crazy to me. But you know, maybe we have reached that point in his career where he is just as elite as anybody else in the league. And I, I think he is. Okay, I think he is. And and giving the strength in like seven of the eight or nine categories. Uh, I feel like you have to you have to take him if you get the chance. Um, I'm almost to the point where I'm starting to like him more than Giannis for this year. Wow! Um, so I I would argue that this is something that we have both learned that three weeks ago we never really would have said this. I, I right. think he would have been outside the top five, but you're seeing him going in these expert drafts and a lot of other drafts, and you're really looking harder into his numbers. And you and I have both realized it's like, oh wow, he's completely worthy of being drafted one overall two three overall it, the same, it does make sense the same logic that i apply to durant and curry about their rotisserie value applies to towns so to me he's worth it and and the elite production that curry has in like three point percent or three pointers made towns has in scoring and rebounds uh, he's he's doing the same thing as those other guys who I'm highly targeting at the top of drafts in rotisserie. Um, one other big guy who has been going way above their draft slot or ADP is Jokic. Jokic went eighth in both drafts. One, or I'm sorry, eighth in one, ninth in the other. Again, these are one. The NFBKC is the rotisserie draft, and the expert slow draft I'm doing is a head-to-head. So he went eighth in the head-to-head and ninth in the NFBKC draft. Ken Kreitz and I are co-managing the NFBKC team. We were hoping to get Jokic on the, on, when it came back to us in the second <laughs> round. Um, but we, and we had the eighth pick and we didn't go Jokic. Cause I just, I can't, I can't pick him. This is one guy I will not, I will not defend picking him in the first round unless it's at the turn. And you're sitting there with like 12 and 13 and you know, there's no way he's not coming back to you. Um, he's getting picked in the second round. Then yes, you pick him at 12, you pick him at 13, you pick him at the turn. That's fine. I get that, but I'm not going to pick him. Oh man. Now the, the reason why I can't pick him is just because his projections and what puts him as, as a potential top 15 player are, are absurd. It's it's with Jokic. Where people are drafting him, they're drafting him based on something he, he's never shown us yet. No, no, not at all. I mean, we're pro- we're projecting him for 19.5, 11.2, and 5.9 assists. He has to hit those numbers, add some three-pointers, add some blocks, add some steals to be worth a top eight or nine pick. Right, so there's a difference there. With Carl Anthony Towns, you're looking at last year's stat line and you're drafting him, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and you're saying, if he gives me that exact same stat line, I will be happy. If you're drafting Jokic eighth, you're looking at last year's stat line and saying, if he bumps all these up one or two points each respectively, then I will be happy. And there's a big difference between, you know, projecting uh, something for a player that he hasn't never shown us yet versus just, you know, assuming you're going to get what somebody did last year. Drafting him in the top, 10 is essentially drafting him based on his per 36 production from last year. Wow. So, I mean, if you're comfortable that he's going to get 36 minutes and keep up those same rates, 
okay, I guess. I get it. People love him. That's why he's going so high. But um, it was surprising to me. And that's just, if you're that in love with Jokic, be prepared to take him in the top 10. So somebody who went 15 in both of these drafts, and I think has been perpetually overdrafted in every league I've seen, every draft I've seen so far, every auction I've been a part of, is Miles Turner. I, I just somebody has got to explain this to me. And now I, I you know, I was r- willing to come around on Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not willing to come around on Miles Turner for a guy that was drafted as a project, um, and only three years later to be considered the 13 best fantasy player in the league. I, I understand this is another guy that we're saying if he gives me his per 36 numbers for last year, then he's worthy of a 13th pick. I'm not even so certain that that's true. Um, I understand opportunity is there, but this is just a new thing for him entirely. At least with somebody like Jokic, we've seen him be the man for a, a stretch of 20 games. I don't know that we can even say that about Miles Turner. It just looks like a smattering of you know solid games mixed in with, oh, this guy is still super young. He's still finding his way right i mean well he's he is damn good right he shot 51 percent. not taking that he's still right. a very good but 13th overall i don't know about that I, I i agree that top 15 is is a tough take he's currently around 25 or 26 adp on yahoo i'm really comfortable taking him there i'm fine taking him um, you know, my preference would be to get him at the back end of the second round. Um, if for some reason he dropped to the third round, he's an obvious no brainer. But this just shows you that the young hype that the hype that the young guys get, um, you have to you have to reach on him specifically. It might be more, you know, that might be more be the case in expert league drafts or or higher higher uh, entry fee drafts. But you're probably going to have to stretch reach on any young guy who has a lot of hype that's just that's a fact of fantasy drafting right in every every sport yeah that's i i rebuke that thought i i, I rebuke it vehemently because uh, i understand it and sometimes it works but i i just i want to look at a stat line from last year and know that i can expect that same stat line and if i get that same stat line i'll be happy i don't want to be in a position with Jokic, with miles turner of saying if i get that stat line plus a few across the board then i'll be content with where i drafted him it depends on what you think turner's upside is so actually his per 36 minutes from last year he played almost like he played 31 and a half minutes last season so he was getting heavy run as a sophomore his per 36 minutes last year were essentially like peak Abaka. So I always had trouble. I mean, yeah, it was nice when, when Abaka was blocking three shots per game, but I always had trouble picking Abaka in the second round because he was never a great rebounder for a big man. And he was the Billy Hamilton of, right. of exactly. NBA fantasy. And, and so per 36 for Miles Turner last year was 16.5, 8.3, and 2.5 and blocks with, with one steal. Um, so... With great and great percentages, but you're looking, I mean, that's, that is good production, but again, I think it better fits third round value. So I'm not picking them top 15. I agree with you. If I'm the bottom of the second round, I'll probably, I'll, I'll pick him. But if it's between him and Porzingis, I'm going Porzingis because there's higher upside on the scoring and there's still blocks and threes as well. Last bit, of dr- last bit of draft strategy I have is mostly geared towards beginners. Um, you know, people ask me all the time on Twitter, in person, um, over email, just, you know, like, what, what is the dumbest thing that people do? Or what's the one thing I should do going into a draft or the one thing I should avoid? And if you are an inexperienced fantasy basketball player, or if you're even inexperienced with the NBA, the common mistake I always see is that you go into a draft and you pick people you know. And and that makes sense to me, right? Fantasy is supposed to be fun. You want to pick the players you like and that you're familiar with. But name recognition... Name recognition is is the thing that dooms people who are just trying out fantasy basketball for the first time. I can't stress it enough. Go on RotoWire, get some get some rankings on our website. Pick a couple guys that you've never heard of. Don't fall into the trap of you know uh, teams that end up being Dwight Howard, Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose, like those names that have been around a while. You know they've been around a while and you've heard of their names, which means they've been around so long that they're on the tail end of their career. So for very beginning beginning fantasy players pick a couple players that you've never heard of before that are projected to do better than some of the players names that have been around for a long time yeah i mean in general it's a 
it, it's like a thin line or it's a hard it's a hard balancing act where you have to look at those proven players and the obvious production that they're going to get. Um, you also have to look at upside uh, guys and who to target, when to target, whether or not to reach on certain players and kind of try to balance that out. Um, just be mindful of all the categories, the scoring format. Uh, definitely highly recommend using something like a draft software. So if, especially in rotisserie leagues, I think it's harder to figure out where you stand in certain stat categories or your percentages during the draft, unless you're using a draft software like we have on rotowire.com. Fantasy basketball fans, basketball is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy basketball for the everyday fan. New contests starting every day. No busted seasons. Everybody's hopeful now, but in a few weeks, there'll be some busted seasons for sure. There's something for everyone on FanDuel. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. This is something that Shannon, myself, um, and Ken will be talking about all all season long, especially on this Friday pod, going over Friday FanDuel. We love playing. Friday is arguably our favorite slate. Head into the weekend, win a little cash. It's be, the best. Yeah, be ready for me to hype Ben Simmons as a FanDuel value pick every <laughs> week for the first month or two of the season. <laughs> All right, I've mentally prepared myself for that. Shannon and I are two of the over two and a half million players that have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for New Year's new users. Sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Normally, we'd kick it to K-Train uh, K and his crazy old man rant. We ranted enough on this podcast. No mispronounced names today, pretty much because K-Train wasn't here. Um, but don't worry, we'll, we'll mispronounce names as the season goes along. Last words of wisdom for our listeners out there, Shannon. This could be the last podcast well, it probably will be the last fantasy podcast they hear before the regular season starts, meaning all the drafts will have taken place. Don't sleep on big men early. Don't sleep Go, on big like, men early. Highly, highly recommend getting at least two big men who block shots uh, in your, your four, first four or five picks because there are very few. I think there's only like 18 or 19 players who are projected to have more than one block per game this season like right. it's a crazy low number um so definitely target blocks and big men early in your draft thanks so much for joining us here on the rotowire fantasy ba- basketball podcast presented by FanDuel. we'll be back next week thanks for joining us whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.